Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Digging it, right, Marshall? It's good, eh? The power of marketing. <laughs> Godzilla rises from the waves. <laughs> <laughs> you can do anything with this music. It's so fantastic. All right. Welcome to the Unified CXM Experience. And as always, I'm your host, Grad Khan, and I'm the CXO or Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler. And uh, we've been doing a series on how to build a marketing plan. Uh, we're build, building it all based on the zero moment of truth or ZMOT principles uh, that Google has. And we've all currently debriefed on what the zero moment of truth is. And we debriefed on what the first moment of truth is. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the second moment of truth. But today, we're going to start to deep dive into each of those sections. So as we build out this series, we're going to do a quick overview in each section, which I've been uh, doing. And then we're going to start to double click and drill in a little bit deeper on individual elements of each section. So when I talked about zero moment of truth, as a quick recap, this is the research that people do before they buy a product. And in some categories, like B2B, financial services, and other places, uh, the majority of people do the majority of their research in this zero moment of truth zone uh, long before they go and visit the website of the company they're thinking of buying from. And this will include things like uh, analyst uh, reviews. It'll include, like that would be you know, Gartner, Forrester, Constellation. It would include reviews uh, at review sites like G2 Crowd uh, for consumer products, you know, anything on walmart.com or amazon.com or all the other review sites are out there. Yelp is obviously huge. Uh, things like Captera uh, and Trustradius are also big in B2B. And then also influencers. And that is what we're going to talk about today. So I am going to introduce my special guest today, Marshall Kirkpatrick, who's one of my favorite humans on the planet. Marshall is the VP of Market Research at Sprinkler, and Marshall's very kindly given us his time today. Uh, we'll probably spend maybe a bit longer than usual on this one, so this will probably be a slightly longer, say, half-hour podcast today, and Marshall's going to give us his um, experiences in the world of influencer marketing. Now, I'm going to let Marshall talk a little bit about his background, but you know, we'll give you sort of three key points about Marshall that are useful to understand. One, uh, Marshall's background is that of a journalist, and, and he actually very much brings a journalistic mindset to uh, almost everything that he does. So one great thing about Marshall is that he's always very balanced. He does a lot of deep research. He knows how to find stuff. Uh, he, always, <laughs> he knows how to use Google, uh, but he, you know, he's really great. It's really understanding and digging in. He's got a very strong journalistic stripe down his back. Uh, the second thing about Marshall is that he's also an entrepreneur. So Marshall came to Sprinkler via the acquisition of his company. Uh, he was CEO of an influencer company called Little Bird. And it was a Portland-based company that Sprinkler acquired in 2016. And Marshall's been here ever since. Uh, so his entrepreneurial skills uh, were applied to the influencer space. So Marshall has been working in the influencer space, you know, working in social media and all the things that we talk about on a regular basis on this show for at least 20 years. So he's very practiced, very well known, is uh, considered an influencer himself, and has many great relationships with many significant influencers out there. And I'll, he could probably pepper some of his own background in a little bit more as we go into it. Uh, the last thing I'll say about Marshall is that he's a really, really, really nice guy. 
Uh, just a really great person to have in your corner. A lot of fun to be around. Super duper interesting. I don't ever have a conversation with Marshall where I don't learn something. Uh, sometimes I'll just ask Marshall just to start talking. And then I just kind of get good ideas from just listening to him go. Uh, so it's just a, a wonderful person, all-around great human being. Welcome to the show, Marshall. Oh, Brad, thank you so much. It is Well, you, uh, you paid me 20 bucks to say that, so I mean, I figured I had to do that to get the money, right? What a deal. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> I mean, 50 bucks. I mean, I, did I say 20? I meant to say 50. <laughs> a, 50. A no, deal at any price. I meant 100, right? <laughs> Amazing. Oh man. So you you were on you were on Unified CXM Experience before, right? Or was it was it CXM Experience when you were on the show before? I think it was early days. Early days. Okay. Well, we've we've come a long way since then. It's like yeah, we're up to like 32,000 uh listeners now. So, uh we're making that was back in the early hundreds of the listeners days. So, uh making a lot of progress, a lot of great marketers out there who've been grabbing insights and so um let's uh let's lay it on them so first of all in terms of your intro i, I think i i hope i did a reasonable job of you know giving your background is there anything else that you'd want to sort of fill in there i think you had a you had some you still have some stuff in your background which is pretty interesting in terms of being the first journal at certain places and stuff like that do you want to just add sure. a few bits of color just to fill that in because I do think that your background is an important part of understanding your perspective on influencer marketing and the way that you've been able to leverage it and make it happen. Because I think your background sort of has led to an understanding and a, sort of a deep confidence in this area. But anyway, so why don't you fill that in a little bit? And then we'll, yeah. we'll kind of go into a bit of a Q&A on what is influencer marketing and how does it work? And we'll go from there. Sure, sure. Yeah, I would say that two other parts of my background that have served me really well and are helpful in understanding where I'm coming from are first, my appreciation of different thinking models, mental models, uh, mm. strategic frameworks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's something that I, yeah. Yeah. I, I learned about a lot when I was in high school on the, uh, on the debate team oh, and, okay. uh, and used those to great success. And then the, the second is my love for finding things out first. Uh, for being a, a competitive news-breaking journalist nice. uh, or okay. otherwise. Like you know, I was the, the first journalist to uh, break news stories watching Twitter, uh, for example, and, uh, and then went on to be the first writer hired over at TechCrunch uh, in the, the early days of that blog. So I'm always looking for uh, ways to win in a, in a race to find the best information first. And it, cool. it served me really, really well. And uh, so based on that, that positive feedback loop, I realized those are some of my strengths. And I want to just encourage anybody to ground themselves in their strengths when they go into doing influencer marketing and influencer relations. Do you have a particularly like stunning win in that sort of race to be first competition? Oh. Like the, the time that I knew that, you know, whatever happened before anyone else did. It was really a, a, a day by day battle where when working as the co-editor at, at Read Write Web in particular, where we had our articles syndicated in the New York Times, uh, we would write 10 or 15 articles a day and try to beat the competition on every one of them. But I will say that a lot of tech enabled uh, 
system-driven victories built up some social capital and connections and credibility that we were then able to use in other more traditional reporting approaches. So like shoe leather and face-to-face -face conversation uh, are the ways that most journalism has been done throughout history. Now right. it's so computer assisted, but I'd say that when I broke the news story of Google plus and Google building a social network, uh, six months before they launched a social network, they got so mad at me. They, uh, they were, uh, their PR team in particular. Uh, but that was all as a result of, of face to face conversations built on the uh, reputation I had built using data. And, uh, and then sure enough, six months later out came the social network from Google and, uh, it's all water under the bridge and everyone is, is friends again now, but um, yeah, that worked out great. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well good for you breaking that, uh, yes. uh, the, um, you know, did do, do you like, can you actually use Google or do you know, always get like zero results? <laughs> right. That's a fair question. <laughs> I, uh, I found myself when preparing to launch little bird, uh, in a, in a kind of Chatham house rules, top secret, uh, what stays here, you know, get said here, stays here uh, conversation at one of Tim O'Reilly's conferences the, at, at food camp uh, showing Little Bird for the first time to people uh, asking everyone, you know, we're not ready to launch this yet. Please don't say anything to anyone uh, about it. And I looked up from the table and across the table from me there were some of the founders of the Google Plus social network. Uh, and they grimaced a little bit and, of course, didn't. Didn't say anything about my my little startup uh, okay. after I all had right. broken the news story of. of well, you're theirs. right. You did all become friends. Well, good for you. Well, they're, you're a friendly guy. All right. Well, that's great. That's that's very interesting. Okay, so let's talk about influencers. You touched on it already a little bit. So, you know, I want to let you sort of run with this a little bit, but you know, maybe give me give me some models about how you think about influencer marketing. Uh, I do think that it's not a particularly well defined term. There are a number of terms in the marketing world that are reasonably well-defined. You say mass media, people know what you're talking about. But influencer marketing feels, I think, a bit foggy for most people. So maybe part those clouds a little bit for us. Give us a little bit of insight on what you think of it as. That would be super helpful. The second thing would be, hey, I'm thinking of doing some influencer marketing or I want to go down that path. And I'm seeing this increasingly from second, third, and fourth brands in the market where they see a, the dominant brand attracting a lot of influencers and then generating a lot of um, very effective and very efficient free media as a result. And they kind of go, I want that too. So let's talk about that a little bit. And, and how do you think about that structure and what, is, what does that process look like? So, But let's start a little bit. The, just do, like, lay some definitions on us. Get us... Get us kind of centered on what this thing is. What are we actually talking about here? Um, I might, you know, add a comment at the end on how that attaches to zero moment of truth and how to think about it from that structure because this is how to build a marketing plan. So this will all kind of go into that content. Uh, but de define it for us, and then we're going to go into some of the how-tos. Sure. Well, I, I think that influencer marketing, or the phrase I feel best about is influencer relations, are both mm. such broad topics that the way your organization defines it 
for your go-to-market strategy is going to, to have a big influence on the, the strategy that you adopt. But for me, I like to advocate for a, a two-way relationship between brands and influencers where each party in that relationship gets to know the, the work of the other party. Uh, an authentic, genuine relationship is developed. Uh, collaboration occurs. Uh, there may be a formal business relationship or there may not. And the, the brand gets to learn from the influencer about all the things that the influencer is seeing in the, the eye of the storm out in the market. And the market gets to learn from the influencer about the work of the brand. So hopefully that will, if okay. as That's... a part of a broader mix, will lead to uh, demand generation and brand benefits. Great. And I think that influencers tend to fall in that I'm doing research on something zone because influencers are not typically attached to any single brand, right? I think that's what makes them influencers. They're, they're influential because I can maybe trust their point of view because they tend to be brand agnostic. And so when an influencer lands on something, it's powerful because I trust them. And, and that's, I think, the reason that Zero Moment of Truth exists is that, A, it's a little complicated to parse all the information from individual uh, vendors or companies. But secondarily, people are overwhelmed by information over you know, generally and don't know who to trust. So they go to these other sources like analysts, influencers, uh, review sites, and they think, you know, what is definitive in this space? Who, what do I trust? Who do I go to? Uh, that's why I think the zero moment of truth is becoming not just powerful, but maybe the most powerful part of the overall marketing mix and probably the most ignored part of the mix because most companies do not have anything akin to an influencer relations program. Okay, so let's talk about what that looks like. What is an influencer relations program? How do you structure it? Give us, some, give us some guidance on this. Well, I believe that the, the, the first step is just to get yourself oriented with who the influencers are in your market. And the, the ultimate strategy and the way that you organize your, your campaigns will depend on the addressable surface area uh, out in the market. I love uh, the, the OODA loop model. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if folks are, are unfamiliar, it's a, a model from the U.S. Air Force uh, that is an acronym, stands for Observe, Orient, Decide, Act, and it's a loop. So after you act, then you uh, turn around and observe again the, the consequences of your actions and, and the changed landscape. And so if you get yourself in that mindset to start with observing, you... Uh, and, and then moving on to orienting yourself to think, what are our brand's strengths? What are the strengths of the individuals that we have already in the company or that we're going to bring into the company to do influencer relations? Uh, that's where a, a whole lot of the heavy lifting uh, needs to be done before deciding on a framework or a, a strategy or a model uh, going forward. So spending time figuring out who the influencers are in your market and yep. then paying attention to their work is step one. Do you have an, do you have an example there or do you want to? Sure. Yeah. I mean, so yeah. we, uh, we've been talking a lot about the, the children's toy market 
uh, mm. for example, right? Uh, and uh, as we... Uh, yeah, let's not get into the specific brands, but we got an interesting pitch going on there for yep. sure. Yep, good, good. So that, I, I, I think we're, we're uh, thinking about that in a way that is, is uh, a good model. Uh, the, the, there's two steps that I would recommend to, that brands take in determining who the influencers are in their market. And the first is just to, to ask around, to ask knowledgeable people, to ask, ask experts, to ask uh, customers, who do they listen to and who do they pay attention to? The second is to use data and figure out uh, who's got credibility, reach, uh, in a particular audience. So in the children's toy market, for example, you know, we, uh, we spoke to a knowledgeable expert in that field and we found uh, people like uh, Lori Schacht that reviews children's toys and, uh, and Chris Byrne and Richard Gottlieb have a, a wonderful B2B uh, toy podcast uh, where mm -hmm. they analyze trends in the industry. And, uh, and then we, opened up Sprinkler and used the influencer marketing capabilities in there to take a different data-driven approach uh, to figure out who the data said ha has the most credibility and sway in that market. We put both of those together and then take a, a land and expand type of approach to mapping out the influencer landscape. So we can start with those people and listen to their podcasts and read their articles, follow them on Twitter and see who they are talking about, whose content they share, who's talking with them and, uh, and build out a map of the influencer landscape, uh, as the, as the first step. And I, I would say that the transition from that observation over into the orientation stage is a, a good time to ask yourself, which of these people do I like the best? Because if you find yourself personally enjoying the personality and the work and the persona of a, a given influencer, you're going to have so much more success in connecting with them genuinely and collaborating with them. Do you about uh, have you seen Toy Galaxy on YouTube? I have seen that uh, in the awesome. in the data set. Yeah, is that have one that you like? Set? Yeah, that's that's really good. Really, really good. They've got some really great sort of classic stories and. Just watching right one right now on Shogun Warriors, which was um, a, a line of toys I think from Mattel, and Marvel did a comic series on it, and it sort of just preceded the Transformers. It was like kind of part of that sort of the origin of giant robots uh, in Japan, and then uh, and they they are kind of half Transformers and kind of half robots, but not they're not fully committed one way or the other, and they're so close to the Transformer model, but not quite right. And uh, didn't quite make it. It's a great story of just like the ooh, that was close. <laughs> like almost made that. Um, but uh, yeah, Shogun Warriors. But yeah, Toy Galaxy is a big deal. It looks like. Um, so are you? I just this is an aside because we're working on this project. So just everybody uh, in the audience, just you know, close your ears for a second. So uh, Marshall, is that close? Like, can I can I play with that? With the data that analysis you were just talking about a second ago. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Can you send me a link on Slack. Yeah, yeah, I will. Okay, thank, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you bet. We'll well, and I'll be playing with that tonight, actually. And uh, I bet that'd be super fun. Your playful attitude, your domain knowledge, your genuine enthusiasm that comes up with that is exactly the kind of thing that people need to bring to a, an effective influencer marketing endeavor. 
Uh, if right. you can find someone inside of your organization that has that kind of, of enthusiasm, you're going to be able to reach out and connect with the most influential people in the world in that industry in a way that uh, someone without the domain knowledge or without the genuine interest uh, is, is never going to be able to do. Yeah, you're right. People who are influencers, um, I'll make an assumption here. You correct me if you disagree with me, but uh, what I observe is that classically influencers are people who are really into something and would, you know, maybe even do it for free or maybe are doing it for free. Uh, it's like their hobby slash job and love it so much. And so when you talk to them, you, it's, there's, there's this kind of funny balance, which is if you go at them with, I know more than you know, that probably doesn't end in a good spot. Uh, if you go at them with like, I know nothing, I haven't even bothered to even like like watch one of your podcasts, uh, and I get that a lot. Um, then it's also like a bit dismissive. It's like, what are you wasting my time for? Me to educate you? There's some kind of beautiful middle ground, which is you know I've, I've absorbed a fair amount of your content. I see these kind of core themes coming out. Am I right? Very interesting. I love where you're going with this, and, and maybe you see something that sometimes they don't see because you're observing. Uh, and then you then then you can have a real conversation. But you know, coach me up a little bit there and, and, and take me through that. I think that that is true and a great way to do it. I think that if you can show a demonstrated history of engagement with the industry even beyond their content, then yeah. that outreach will be even more effective. I often recommend that people engage as individuals flying the flag of a brand, uh, but as a one-to-one -one peer based uh, engagement at the beginning and before reaching out and engaging, you want to make sure that you've got your house in order. You want to make sure that your social profiles are clear and show a, a history of interest in a topic that's relevant. Uh, ideally, you've been sharing really interesting content from other people and other influencers, perhaps some that, that the influencer you're reaching out to is unfamiliar with, because when you reach out to them, they're going to, uh, just like in, in B2B sales, the, the prospect is going to spend a whole lot of time uh, reading your website and reading your social media before they talk to a salesperson. So yep. too, in influencer relations, an influencer is going to spend some time looking through what you've already published online in right. order to discern whether this outreach is the one out of a hundred that they've received today that they want to respond to. And mm. if wow, you... That's a powerful point. Powerful point. Hundreds they receive. Right. Exactly. So if you have a... If you're a known entity to them... Yeah. Uh, because you've been engaging as peers on social media, uh, because you've brought interesting things to their attention already, then it's just friends uh, reaching out to talk and get on the phone and see if there's an opportunity to collaborate. And that's gonna work right. so much better. I, I will say that another option uh, for brands that want to accelerate that, perhaps don't have anyone in-house uh, with those skills is to uh, work with an agency. Uh, there are, are certainly uh, good uh, PR and marketing agencies that have uh, relationships cultivated over time, uh, but you want to ask who in that organization would be doing the outreach, uh, who they've got existing relationships with, and you want to make sure that they have a, a track record 
of bringing relevant opportunities to those influencers in the past so that their outreach will not be a, a cold call, but just the next in a, in a long story of a, a relationship that's been built. Hmm, right. That makes a ton of sense. Um, okay, great. So I, I kind of got in your way on this uh, structure thing. So let's, let's, but that was great. I really enjoyed that conversation. So let's go back to like, okay, I'm, I, I'm, I'm interested in influencer marketing campaign. I might want to talk a little bit about why that might have occurred in someone's mind. And then what do I do? How do I think about structuring it? So you kind of covered step one, which is identify. Yep. Uh, identify the, the people in the field and then spend some time reading their content, uh, watching what they've published. There is a, a higher bar than you might expect, uh, I'd say, uh, around that and uh, an outreach because lots of people will say, oh, I've read your article recently or because you wrote this one thing, I thought you might be interested in another thing. And right. But as, as you had said, if you can reach out and with a thesis or with something interesting or some sort of value add, uh, that, that goes a long way. I would say that even it, in even more general terms, that grounding yourself in your strength, whatever it may be, is the key to effectively engaging with a, another strong voice out in the market. So for you, mm. seeing themes over time and uh, seeing a story uh, unfold and knowing a compelling way to tell that story is one of, of your great strengths and is the kind of thing that, that when you bring that to a conversation, uh, a, an influencer will say, wow, that's, uh, that's, I'm not capable of that. That's a really significant value add to my understanding of this market and it's fun and it's cool. Yeah. Let's talk. Now for me, my strength is largely in data analysis. And so uh, I will analyze data about uh, an influencer, about their content, about their market, uh, about something that they're working on in ways that, that speed their time to insight or, uh, or are surprising or useful. And, um, and that's how I open doors. Now I, uh, for example, uh, Little Bird was most famously uh, funded by Mark Cuban the mm -hmm. owner of the Dallas Mavericks. And I uh, was able to get on his radar first because he had written, he had read blog posts that I read years ago. And so he uh, famously likes to read people's blog posts and then he sends uh, emails out to them. So I, I had spoken to him seven or eight years prior. Uh, but then uh, when it was fundraising time, I, I sent him an email full of data about the Dallas Mavericks. And I said, I don't know anything about basketball, to be honest, but here's a bunch of data about your, your market. And, uh, and he took great interest in it and wrote me back in 10 minutes and said, what are you doing for wow. fundraising? Wow. So ask yourself, what, what a great story. What are, what are you uh, strongest in and, and lead with that? That's fascinating. That's awesome. What's he like? Did you get to meet him personally? Oh yeah. Uh, he is really smart. Yeah. Uh, and has a mix of, uh, of kindness generosity, bravado, and cynicism. Oh, well, that sounds like a good formula. Well, I thought we were going to talk for 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, but we're going a little long. So I'm actually going to break this interview with Marshall right now. 
Uh, we'll come back tomorrow with part two, but that is the end of part one. So thanks for listening to the Unified CXM Experience. For the Unified CXM Experience, I'm Grad Khan, your host, CXO or Chief Experience Officer at Sprinkler, and we will see you tomorrow. <laughs>